Backfuel, baby. Yo, Backfuel, man, we high, 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 high up right now, man. Let me tell you something. There's no phone service up here right I now. I mean, you know, you know you're around big money when it says SOS as your phone signal. <laughs> you, you hear the waterfall in the background from the pool. That's just the pool. SOS, Yo, save our souls. We got one of the greatest producers, singer-songwriters of all time. And that's no exaggeration. Thank you. One of my first mentors in the game. Gave me my first job down in Miami as a as as an executive doing projects. Yep. Also from Southside Jamaica, Queens. Absolutely. We All got Corey Rooney up in the building, yo. Absolutely. Thank you. When we when, when we walk into your house, we see this big picture of you and Mike Jack, Michael <laughs> Jackson. You got to tell us being, what it's like being around Michael Jackson. Let's, let's jump To be up. honest with you. And I mean, not on some superstar, just No, no, no. To be regular. honest with you, first of all, it was, it was, a, a, it was kind of a mark. Like, it was a personal uh, goal that I set for myself since I was younger. That one day, I'm going to meet that guy. It one wasn't to work, work just to meet him? Just to meet him. Because, wow. you know, he's a guy, he comes from a musical family. Of course. I come from a musical family. You know, I used to look at Jet Magazine and see him and his brothers, you know, it wasn't just a Michael Jackson thing, it was like the fact that he was doing with his brothers and his family. He had, they had mini bikes, motorcycles, so I'm like, I want all of that life. Like the, the ability to be young, but to be able to live. Yes. And do things. Yeah. So that's really the person, and, and then I like the fact that he was always, as I was growing, and, you know, growing up and into the music thing, you always heard about him really being about his business also, you know? Mm. Like, and that's another thing that I loved about him. Uh, musically, forget about it. He's like one of the cornerstones. There's Michael Jackson for me, and there's Stevie Wonder. And then as far as, you know, there's other people, songwriters like Lionel Richie and stuff. But when, you, you know, when I finally got to the point where I was like on the radar, like in the Sony system, yeah, I knew it was a matter of time before, like, okay, I'm going to... How'd you make that connection happen? Meet... How did you put the pieces together? Because you from Southside, like Esso. Y'all yeah. y'all deliberate dudes. Yeah, yeah, Y'all yeah. don't just let life or fate happen. Y'all have plans of execution. Well, you know, well, I got into the business because, you know, my partner, you know, at the time, you know, Prince Marky D, mm. he and I started a production company together. You know, um, Mark, Prince Marky D from the Fat Boys and, you know you know, who recently passed away, but, yeah. but um, you know, he was like the gateway for me. So like, normally I think that it would have been a harder climb for me to get into the industry because I didn't know anybody, mm -hmm. you understand? But meeting Mark, it was like, you know how they say, you know, it's, you, you know, it's who you know. Not what you know. Not what you know. So I, I felt like I'm talented and things like that. When I met Mark and he was at the top of the world with the Fat Boys, he heard a demo I did, and he was like, yo, let me get that, let me get that tape, let me get that tape. You know, and he took it, and then like a month later, he happened to drive past me, and he was playing my demo in his car while he drove past. It freaked me out. I was like, yo, he really liked that joint, mm. you know? And we started talking through our mothers, because my mother was, you know, was an artist as well, actually doing some business with his mother. And um, long story short, we connected, we started producing, 
things together, you know, Father MC, Mary J. Blige, you know, all of those things, you know, we real love for Mary J. Blige. Mm -hmm. We did right basically in my basement in Queens. But um, that led me, you know, in the direction of Sony. And, you know, our first label, Soul Convention, was a Sony label. And so that's how I met Matola, and that's how I got into the Sony system. Yeah. Uh, but then as that started to build, you know, Tommy started to want me to come around and help him out with Mariah Carey's project. You know, just little things like that. And I, I didn't know what it was. It was kind of weird for me, actually. I'm like, why does this guy, you know, I, I'm, you know, why is this white dude like trying to reach out to me like this? You know what I mean? I got, Cause that's the way I was back then when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Why is he, you know, trying to be so close to me? But I didn't see what it was in me that was so interesting to him. Gotcha. So he would introduce, he, I mean, I, he would invite me to parties, events, everything. Um, and then later on, I found out that his interest was because not only was I someone in his eyes that knew how to make hit records, but he also told me, he said, you're also somebody that can speak both languages. You, you, can, you can talk to all the streets. Mm-hmm. But then you can come back, he said, and run the board meetings. You understand? He said, and that bridge is priceless. I'll pay you anything to stay. You know? And that's really how it started. Tell me what it's like being there at the beginning of so many people's careers. You was there beginning to marry, writing, mm -hmm. <laughs> real love and all that. You was there at the beginning of um, Mariah. You launched Jennifer Lopez. Jessica Simpson too, right? Yep. You had Jessica Simpson. What, what do you see in these people that know that they got what it takes to become a big star? I'm going to tell you, and that's a, there's a simple answer, but a lot of people miss the answer. You have to take that person, like Jennifer, to me, is Jenny from the block. You know, I'm not discrediting when she's walking the red carpet, when she's making a movie, when she's at the Met Gala, when she's all of this stuff. That's a different person that's a that's an actress that's a model that's the, a sex symbol that's all of that but music he's most identifiable as like a real person a touchable person look I, I know a girl that lives down the street that's just like that tangible Th that's what it's supposed to be that's what mary was mary sang about everybody's pain real love is actually a, a song that we wrote based on a conversation we had with mary j blige and she could not understand why every guy that was coming at her was lying, talking about they loved her, but really didn't. You know, they just, you know, was trying to get at her. Did you give her. her an answer? Huh? Did you give her the, the real nigga answer? Like, yo, they just want to smash? He knew that already. I have to give her no answer. Oh, okay. She, just... she, she figured it out on her own. Okay. And that's yeah. what led to real love, because she said for once, mm. I would like it to be real love. Mm. And there you go. We wrote, a, we, we wrote that song. You know, and it's got to be real. Everything that I do and have had the most success with is because you got to keep a person in a believable space. You know, mm. you can't take this person and all of a sudden think, you know, like I can't make Mary J. Blige sing the Titanic song. Can she sing it? She'll sing the shit out of it. But is it believable? Like, is it is it her? No, that's not what... Her people want to hear. Like, you know, that's not real. Do you remember what you told me a long time ago? 
about what makes somebody a star. And you base it upon Beyonce, and I always tell people this, and he would be like, Beyonce could dance, but she might not be the best dancer. That's right. She could sing. She might not be the best singer. She might not be the songwriter, but when you throw all of those things in together, she's the biggest star. She's the biggest was, superstar. Are you describing versatility, or is it deeper than that? No, honestly, because there's there's so many ingredients that make up mm -hmm. a person, you know, because some people don't have the dance element, right? But they have this element and that element. And that. They just have to have this combination of things that make them very interesting. Look, Puffy can't sing a lick, but he's one of the most recognizable stars in, in the music industry. One Let of the most recognizable this, artists, you know? You and, you and Esso have worked with a lot of songwriters. And I've noticed when artists change songwriters, their, you know, swagger, their pizzazz changes a little bit. There's a deeper connection. But when Puff has different writers, he's still Puff no matter who the writer is. And I'm trying to understand how is he able to do that when we see other artists. When that, when that writer is gone, mm -hmm. you can tell the shift in the music. Because Puff is just being fed information and he processed that information and he makes it his. You understand? There are other artists that are simply just, you know, like you, you, get, you program them in a way and all they're going to do is give you word for word, line for line, note for note what you gave them. Mm. You know, Puffy, you can write a whole joint for Puff and Puff will put, be like, I, I like where this is at, but I'm going to change, let's change this, let's do this, let's do that. And mm. you can hear the demo and it didn't go like the way Puff did it because he made it his own. So he That's the producer in him. So he should get more credit for being a, a better performer than somebody, like when he said, don't worry if I write rhymes, I write checks. But if somebody's writing something for him and he's able to manipulate it most of the time, that's a different There's skill. There's a whole bunch of dudes that write rhymes but can't deliver the rhyme. Like, mm. you're not interesting. I don't believe you, you know? I don't, I don't believe you. Remember, what was the joint they used to do? Um, the rap battle joint. What was the DVD that used to float around? Smack DVD. Smack no. DVD, you know? And you get see somebody... Some dudes that were dope, but, but, and I don't know if this is PG or not, but no, it's not, straight dude. pussy. So when the guy's in their face, all that shit they wrote, they can't deliver it like, they can't do that shit because they scared because it's a motherfucker in their face that look like about to punch him in the mouth. So mm. they fall back and they, they're not the same guy. It's not the same delivery as what your pen was saying. Now give it to this other fearless dude over here who will take that and just be reckless. Like, don't, you know. Got you. You got to sell it, you know. Sell the movie. No president writes his own speech. Oh, sure. All right, come, all right we're good. <laughs> we just had a situation with John Mar So <laughs> Let me ask you a real question. Mm -hmm. How did you balance being a creative with also being a top exec? Because not only was you the exec at Sony, you was the vice president overall, period. It was Tommy, then you, mm -hmm. and you were working on all the projects mm -hmm. and overseeing all the producers and overseeing some of the writing. And I saw you put together um, drum patterns uh -huh. and then pass it off to Tone and them and let them fix it. How did you manage to balance all, all of that together? Freedom. Tommy Matola actually gave me the freedom, you know, to. I had this title, a senior vice president title, but I wasn't punching a clock. I didn't have to be in the office. I didn't mm. even have a desk in my office. I, I you know, like it was, 
my office looked more like a lounge because we only here to listen to music and talk about music. I'm not here to do all of the paperwork. I got a whole hallway full of people to do that. Mm. He never burdened me with any of those tasks. There was other vice presidents and executives that can do all of that stuff. He just wanted me to be the eyes, the ears, you know, and like the person to carve out the direction musically on which everything went. And all the, to do that, I needed the freedom, the flexibility. I spent more, my office was more in the studio than the actual Sony building, you know? Who, who, who do you see right, right now that works, that works like you? Is there, is there somebody in, in, in this game right, right now that's doing what you used to do? To be honest with you, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, cause it was unique because like you said about the, the music, I actually did literally write the songs and not just some of them, most of them, you know, uh, Someone to Love You, you know, mm -hmm. by Rough Ends or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. I, I actually, you know, I write these songs. I Need to Know, Mark Anthony. Mm -hmm. We co-wrote that song together. So I don't know if there's an executive that can write at a certain level. I'm not saying my level is the top level. Everyone else could be the judge of that, but write at that level, but then also weigh in on things in the company and the business on the business on side. the business side that hard, need to be dealt with. It's hard to separate with. that because there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that kind of clog up the lane in the in the label, and you got to be a, like the union boss to flush them out and be like, "Yo, bro, you can't be in the middle of stopping this guy from getting paid. You don't understand how important it is to get this guy his money right now." You know, mm -hmm. Puffy, when he did the remix for um, Fantasy. With ODB, I promise you, I reached out to Puff. I asked him to do the remix. It was at the very beginning of not Mariah's career, but like her crossover. Mm -hmm. And Puff said, "Listen, man." He was like, "Look, I'm hot right now." He his his words were like, "Yo, I just don't know if I need all of that pop whackness on me right now." So he said, "No," he didn't want to do it. And then he. Two hours later, went and did his homework because I said, listen, just think about something. I said, this is a girl who sells 20-something million albums of pop. So think about that and think about the, the, the platform that's going to put you on. Mm. He left. He came back to the Hit Factory. He didn't call me. He came back. He pulled me out of the session. He's like, let me talk to you for a minute. He said, yo, I ain't know, you know. She was doing was 20 like million that. like that. He said, yo, do you think they'll give me $65,000 to do the remix? That was his rate uh, That was his rate big money the back then, huh? That was his rate. I said, absolutely. He said, you sure? I said, absolutely. I'm guaranteed. I'm the one controlling you. it. Mm. Yes, you got that. He said, you think they'll give me points? Absolutely. I got that. I'm approving that right now. I'm shaking your hand. You got it. He said, oh, I'm on it. And he did it. I chose him to do that remix, by the way. Because the, the original version that Dave Hall did was dope, mm -hmm. but it was very polished. Bells in it, ding, 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 all, all of that stuff, you know, it was really polished. And the only person that I know would strip that down almost disrespectfully <laughs> was Puff, because he famously would do that back in the day to records when we worked in the studio, you know? What, what made you call in Irv Gotti and them for I'm Real? I, it wasn't it had nothing to do with Irv Gotti, you know. It had a lot to do with the fact that at that moment, R&B radio absolutely without a, they didn't even want to talk. 
they didn't want to play any J-Lo records. What you mean? They didn't want to play no J-Lo records because the first album, we had success with it, but they said... It was pop. They said it was too pop. She never came to our station. She never did a drop. Mm. She never supported us. She don't support us. We ain't fucking with her at all. So it's not even about or whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. So I thought about it, and the hottest thing on the radio at that moment was Ja Rule, right? So it was more of a Ja Rule thing, gotcha. not an Irv thing. Gotcha. Irv came with the package, but gotcha. it was Ja. And at that moment, Ja had like records back to back on the radio, but yeah. he had no project out at that moment. So let's fill the void and give radio another Ja Rule record. So I went into the studio, met them at the crack house where Eric's studio was. And I said, look, this record, I told Ja Rule, this record has to not be, I don't need eight bars or 16 bars. This needs to be a duet. Song. Duet. Like Donny wow. Hathaway and Roberta Flack. Mm -hmm. You gotta go back and forth. And first he really didn't understand what I meant by that. You know, and the guy seven, seven Aurelius, like seven. seven to, yeah. Dope. He had a, he came up Great with the track. Yeah. So I said, it has to be a real duet. I said, because radio won't play it. Because they already told us, don't bring me a remix or a record with a rapper. Because a lot of the stations, when you go outside of certain regions, they don't even play rap. So, so You could drive down south and there's stations that go, you know, 24 hours of R&B and no rap. That's what they say. Yeah. You know, so that wasn't going to work. I said, this can't be something that they could deny. Ja Rule was laughing in the studio. He's like, yo, he's in the vocal booth like, yo, Rooney think I'm a singer or something like that. I said, you sing on every record you've ever made. You are a singer. <laughs> what, is, what are you talking about? Every record you Was he singing. aware that he, he wasn't singing or singing? Nah, but he, you know, the more he, he got into it, it, to be honest with you, the more he got into it, like, and started, you know, now they've been loving me, Andrew, mm -hmm. he started feeling it. And he locked in. All right, let's go. Now so I know much, what you want. So you and Corey Rooney and Ja Rule brought J-Lo into the hip-hop scene. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Expect Again, Irv was along for the ride. I want to ask both of y'all questions. I should kicked his ass off the fucking horse. But that's all right. That's a whole different story. Hold we'll on, what you that another time. <laughs> I said I should have kicked his ass off the fucking horse, but that's a whole different story. You know? Whatever. <laughs> What can I say? You well, know, well, you know, I'm with the shit. <laughs> but you know what but, um, when you come inside your place and we look at your accolades, you have multiple hit singles consecutively, multiple in the year, multiple in the career. Esso has hit singles. Multiple? That's not even describing listen, listen how many. Like, listen to what? Nah, nah. It's way more than multiple. It's outrageous in there. Outrageous, with, with right? awards. <laughs> it's outrageous in there. Both of y'all have been on hit singles multiple hit singles. And Esso and I were talking about well, how- I ain't been on, I managed producers. But let, let's, let's go with but this. Go now, a lot of new artists, they get one single that goes out of nowhere and they can't have no follow through. What is the key ingredients to continually having multiple hit singles? What's well, the formula? Again, there's a, so many variables. Like, first of all, I'll say this about Mariah Carey. <laughs> She'll always have a hit record because she is the source. Right? She's a songwriter. She's the songwriter. She wrote every last hit she's ever had. She's the source. So she's not waiting for someone to give her a hit record. She's the source. Mm. You know? <clears throat> um, 
Puffy is the same way. Puffy, mm -hmm. the day Puffy fails will be the day he decides to go live on the mountains and don't know what the hell is going on in the streets anymore. You understand? But yeah. he'll never fail because he, he's dedicated every ounce of himself to that life. He's always going to know. But other artists make the mistake because they depend on who's going to write the song, who's the hot... Labels, they don't have the control to tell the label, look, stop just chasing this guy because he wrote, because he's got the hottest record. Because I know there's producers that have three hot records and 30 duds, you know? But you'll take the dud because that producer is hot right now. Yeah. You take it. You spend all that money on it or whatever, and it's corny, you know? You took a corny record from a producer who was inconsistent, you know? Mm. So that's what happens sometimes. There's a lot of variables, you know? Oh, yeah. When you look at 50 Cent right now, mm -hmm. and all stuff that 50's accomplished, we all from Southside together, yeah. but you're the first person to ever sign him to a record deal. Yeah. Power the dollar was under your watch. What's the feeling you get when you look at him and what he's become? Can I tell you something? I'm very happy to see a guy do everything he said he was going to do. From the first meeting, when I first, I first met him, he came, you know, a lot of people know the story. He rapped for me in front of the barbershop when a guy up brewing all of that stuff. He and he thought, said that you yeah. didn't pay him any he attention. He thought I wasn't paying attention because I was on the phone, because the phone, it was the truth. Yeah. The phone rang and it was Matola. I pick up the phone, but Mark was in the car with me and Mark is like into it and I'm hearing him. I can hear, I, I can talk to 10 people and still hear that this motherfucker's yeah. nice, right? So by the time the phone call, 50 was like, yo, all right, man, whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, he, he, said he snatched his tape yeah, back he was, all right, man, whatever, I'm out. Like, you know, just you know, pop the CD, all right, man, whatever, you know. Mm. And he walked off, right? Mm. And then, like, two days later, I reached out to him, and I said, listen, I want you to take a ride with me up to Bearsville, you know. That's basically Woodstock. That's where he used to go create all, like, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you was recording in Bearsville, you was a high priority. Yeah, we would go way up there, track masses, all of mm -hmm. us. Um, and, um, and everybody was up there. Nori was up. I got footage. I just sent Tone some footage of him, Jungle, which is Nas's brother, Nori, all those guys playing back, L.E.S., Gowdy, all of the track masters do, playing basketball. We turned a big vocal booth. We put a basketball court in there. Everybody's playing basketball. But... 50, 50, 50 was the type of dude, right? That whole ride, let's say a two and a half hour ride, he said he was going to rap, focus on it for a little while, but then he's going to like leave that over here, not abandon it, but it's not going to be, he said he's going to shift to making movies, television. From the beginning, he said that. that. From that car ride, from that car ride, mm -hmm. you know? And to see him actually do that is amazing. You know what I'm saying? And again, look at all of the things that could have, would have, should have stopped him from doing that. So he's just more determined. You know, when 50 starts bullying people, it's all a marketing ploy. I mean, some people, he's dead serious. Yeah. And the other thing about it, he's yeah. really about it. He's not one of the guys that say, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Come on, we all know. He's, he's, he's really about that shit, mm -hmm. right? But he is. All of that, everybody oh, knows I'm aware. That. That's yeah. the funny part about it. Everybody be like, yo, but, but you know, he's, he's really about the bullshit, though. Yeah, like, he, he wanna, he if is. he want to get down to it, yeah, he, he's yeah, really yeah. You and, know by, and by himself. He used to be by himself. Absolutely. So, uh. but his focus, 
This is not, he didn't stumble into this. This is all calculated. He makes records for his projects, mm -hmm. you know? Like, what's one of the dopest parts about watching Power? The intro. Yes. The, the song. They Same say thing this with is BMF. the Big Rich Town. Yeah. BMF, all of that. Racing you know, Canaan. He said, I'm yeah. not going to do, he told me once, I'm not going to chase the pop crossover. Me, He's like, I do hip hop. Um, the shit that people don't be playing on the radio all the time. He says, somebody got to do it. Like Coogee Rap back in the day made the decision, yo, somebody got to do this. You know? So I'm doing it. I represent that part of hip hop. Mm. And he's, his break comes from everything else, you know? So he's in a real comfortable place right now, and I'm happy about that. When he did um, How to Rob, like, <laughs> like what was going through your mind? <laughs> oh, no. For me, I was like, oh, boy, we, we got to clean up a whole lot after this. Really? Mariah Carey was so mad. She was so mad that she wanted him dropped from the fucking label because there's a line there that said, Mariah Carey, so, so, so put your shit on the floor. You ain't with Tommy no more, you know? So, like, we had to change that line. <laughs> I like, didn't know that y'all changed that. Oh, I remember had, that. No, there's yeah. a version where it's like, Mariah got, they had to blur, blur it yeah, out. We don't know that you ain't with Tommy no more. That was the, yeah. yeah like, Why do you think yeah. so many people got so offended by it knowing that it was a creative piece? Come on, man. The way that shit came. Listen, to. here's the thing, though, because in the industry, people are going to know, but when public opinion sees it yeah. and how that record dropped, how Flex debuted it, how it hit the radio and that song worked. We were like, yo, who is this guy? When it hit the mixtapes, we was like, whoa. So when you know he, when he did that, you know he was being managed by Def Squad. Mm -hmm. Eric Sermon was my next door neighbor at the time yeah. on, Long, on Long Island. And when I signed him, when I signed 50 to Sony, you know, with me and him, the way we did it, I, I didn't have a production company because I was a Sony executive. Yeah. So when we, the way we did the deal is there was 18 points, right? I took five points and gave 50 to 13 points. 13 points. So he got you better know? than 12. 12 is a dollar and eight cents. So he, right. got, he got more than the average. You gave right. him one point more I than the average. I got five points. He got 13 points. Yeah. And that's how the original deal was structured. I, I still have the paperwork, right? And um, when we did that, um, you know, like he jumped in the studio with uh, track masters right away. That's what that whole mm -hmm. whole thing was about. But um, damn, I forgot my fucking thought. Like I got fucking on something. I forgot what we were saying. Well, we're talking about fifty and um, probably the, oh the um record. Why was people so uh, upset oh, at, at right, the creative side? I'm back, it. everybody. Uh, no, you know, but what it was was you know, so Eric Sermon and Def Squad. You know, Bernard Alexander. Bernard. Yeah, Bernard. Bernard. I mm -hmm. felt like they would be better to manage him, you know, because he definitely needed a day-to-day -day yeah. person and somebody in that space. So you gave and him over to them, just called them up and was like, yo, this is what y'all right need to do? Right next door. I walked next door, knocked on the door. I'm like, yo. <laughs> manage him. I, I need this. You know, I'm going to introduce you. 50, 50 had to love the situation, which he did at the time. Um... So they did that. I believe they did that record in Eric's house because they had a, he had a nice studio in his house, you know, and that record was created so fast that before I can even say, maybe you shouldn't or maybe you whatever. It was on already. It was already on the radio because Bernard and those guys went to Flex mm -hmm. and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. It was already happened. It, it already happened, you know, and it, 
is is a is solid as Jay Z is of a dude and of a um of an artist himself. It struck a nerve because he definitely gave him a little mention, you know. What the fuck is fifty cent? I'm about a dollar. What the fuck is fifty cent? You know, hey, he got his attention, and that's really what. From day one, I just felt like Fifty is again authentic dude. Jay is authentic too. Everybody look at Jay and his success. He's really one of those niggas that's really about the shit too. Yeah, you understand? Everybody, you know, and that's why it's authenticity. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are not authentic are not around anymore because it just don't last like that, you know. And do you think that that carries over in all fields? Like when, when you act, like the stuff that we're doing now podcasting, YouTubing, or do you think that that's just a music thing? Well, you know, it's all good until the day somebody press you or puts you in a position where you just look crazy in front of the whole world, you know? Yeah. And then it changes the whole, whether it lasts or not, or just, it will change the complexion I talk of the to him whole about situation. That all the I talk to him about that all the time. I mean, look, how, I'm gonna ask y'all a question. When Birdman walked into the Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. what, did, what did that feel like to you? Did it feel like he had them pressed for a minute? Yeah, it did. It, it did to me. Huh? Mm -mm. It did to me. It didn't. I, you know, everybody has mixed opinions, and honestly, I don't know. Listen, here's what I don't know. I don't know if there was twenty guys off camera. There was a good with, amount with, with Birdman. You know what I'm saying? I don't know because one of the guys that was sitting next to him that people don't remember was Rollo. Mm -hmm. who's been locked up by the feds. I know his history. Yeah. Even though he didn't talk, he had music and everything. People right. don't know that. Mm -hmm. it's, and so you got to say, it's, so when, you, when I say you press somebody, is Charlemagne really about that? Because now this guy's in your face, you know? And now's your time. And I feel like Charlemagne stood his ground. Yeah, you know? me too. He stood his ground. Had he folded, then that would have changed Charlemagne's whole thing because but he definitely came with the press game though yeah oh, no, if anybody he, came now, I, mean. I think everybody yeah. was on point in everybody that. in there held their own oh, i'm not saying nobody didn't hold their own that's what i'm trying to say but he definitely did come oh, no, with his, he a thousand percent he came, came with his press game listen, crazy the mm -hmm. fact that he jumped on the plane and pulled up he was a hundred thousand percent about that shit and went there and he put the press on but had they folded yeah, I, I personally believe everybody that wanted to come there and press them would have. Yeah, that's what happened. You know, everybody. And then the show would have been weird because then they would have been all intimidated every time. And people are, you know, you don't know who's coming with what with that bullshit. There's a thing. There's a thing years ago. This is way before you guys. But Mr. Magic used to be on the radio all the time. Mm -hmm. And. I don't remember the entire story. All I know is that one day. He said something slick about Big Daddy Kane, and Big Daddy Kane, while he was live on the air, walked up into the... Because back in the day, we all used to park outside the station, and everybody had... A bunch of rappers and everybody out there had the radio on. So they could hear their shit. So, no, so you could just hear what's going on, but you could go upstairs and, yo, I'm coming up... I'm downstairs, I'm coming up. You go upstairs and you be on the radio. Yo, Kane walked up on them. And some say he slacked them, some say they punched him, knocked him out, did whatever, whatever. But whatever it was, them. it changed the game. It changed everything. And after a while, the whole Mr. Magic thing was. Fade, never phased the same. out. He phased never out. Never was the same. And 
And, you know, sometimes that be the situation. Sometimes, you know, this rapper's tough until somebody press him, rob him, you know, make him look stupid in front of everybody. And, you know, I don't think there should be recourse where people get hurt, but... But do you think that you can be a rapper and not be tough and not exude that persona and survive? Yeah. Cause, like who? Because the king of all rap right now is doing that. He's Drake. Huh? J. Cole, too. But I mean, but, but Drake, I would call Drake. Is Drake the top? But they both had drama. And they both overcame drama. They, they, they both, had, uh, yeah, they both had physical drama. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that they've overcame physical drama. Let me tell you what makes as well. Drake smart to me and, get, and gave him his toughness that I was looking for. Okay. And I finally been. Because everybody ain't about, everybody ain't about that. Definitely Everybody not. about this. And everybody ain't got a bunch of goons. Mm -hmm. But if you're smart enough to affiliate with the right people. Yep. It can keep you, it can keep you protected. It keep you he's protected, smart. you know what I'm saying? He's strong. You know, and I yeah, don't think he's that He's affiliated. That's, I was about to say, he's very affiliated. Yeah. I don't think that make him a sucker. I just, no, makes him make smart. No, that not make him a sucker, it makes him smart. It makes him smart. Like, gangsters the don't walk around gangster, without being affiliated. The toughest gang, I was about to say, the toughest gangsters gotta be affiliated that's to exactly uh, stay what safe. That's you know what, what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, so I think that that's where it came from, but before that, if you remember before that affiliation, didn't Puffy slap Drake? I heard something allegedly. Allegedly. You understand? I don't know. I don't want to rekindle no fires nowhere because I really like the fact that everybody's cool. making money and everybody's cool. But there was a whole Chris Brown and Drake. They, yeah, they was beefing at one time. They tore up a club fighting yeah, and huh. stuff like that. And this is a man with no army in the beginning. And it, But just what I'm saying, you got to have a... He, he, even if it's not on camera, when people see you, they got to feel like, yo, yeah. my, yo, I, he's he's real deal. He's throwing. It doesn't matter if you light skin, you singing this matter. or whatever. Look, I, you man, know, the man in, in in this joint in this space. You know, Drake don't come from, you know, the same place somebody like someone else comes from. He don't come from where Fifty come from. Let's just yeah. Say that. But here's the thing: I've been in Toronto. How they painted versus the violence I've seen in there. Toronto's tough. That's a tough town. Toronto's a tough town. And them guys don't dress down, thuggy. They, they, they do downplay. They do yeah, downplay. They downplay the violence it, in there. It's tough yeah. motherfuckers out in, in Toronto. Belly Father was one of the legendary Yo, really? motherfuckers in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, like them guys would be with hard bottom shoes and lay out a whole block. Like, yo. They I don't think that's Drake, but I, mean, I but, believe that know, about Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just don't think that about Drake, right? I mean, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm the, he's the ultimate, like, what do you say? Uh, what is it? Playboy, like, yeah. like baby mama, whatever. He, he's that guy. Mm -hmm. You understand? But he's Lover smart boy. now. Lover he's boy. Smart. But he's smart because he don't come from that. You know, Puff is the type of guy. It's not that Puff came from the ghetto, but Puff is one billion percent insane. He'll fight thirty. <laughs> but he's a goon. He's a goon. People, people don't know that. People don't know. Industry, fight, people, we always talk about people 40, don't know Puff is a goon. And, he's with the shit. Yo. And let me tell you something. When he, and if they knock him out and he regains consciousness, it's he goes, war. You know, two words gonna come out of his mouth. Let's go. One thing I heard. Let's go again. He would he be, be in the ready. studio and he would look at a dude, and if a dude even raises, what he's like, you want to fight, nigga? Yeah. No. Because there's something 
and I, I say this because he's my brother. I love him. Yeah. There's something not all the way right with this nigga. Like, he's like, a gangster and, for real. And, and but he knows really that. that. Yeah, but people, real he shit. He's not all the way right. I mean, but he, in, he knows that. But, but S, real shit. Even, even talking to Corey right now. dynamite to his fucking and walk in the room wow, on your ass. So, uh, he he nothing to fuck with. To the levels of success people get to, Something got to be a little unhinged. There's a part of you, Corey, that's a little... He crazy, too. This yeah, nigga I know he's crazy. <laughs> he older now. This nigga yeah. crazy, too. No, but you got can, we, can we talk about another trend you set? And people tend to forget this. You're one of the first dudes to really put black people on that reality television when you had to shop. Yeah. And you had the um, Tamar Braxton thing, right? Wasn't Tamar, no, the, um, the Casablanca thing. Well, she said, we signed Tamar yeah. first. Oh, yeah, you signed Tamar first, but yeah. remember when you and Tommy had the show? Yeah. And Ron Grant and them, oh, that was the reality show, no, no, I know show, what you're right? talking about. Yeah. Born to Diva, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Born because to Diva. Because Tamar Braxton, yeah. so that's how I met Tamar. Tamar auditioned for a show that we had on VH1 called Born to Diva. In Atlanta, the crazy thing is she had like laryngitis that day. Mm -hmm. She got on stage, but somebody whispered to me. They said, you know, that's Tony Braxton's sister. I said, no, it's not. I said, no, trust me, that's her sister. Having nothing to do with Tony, when she sang, even with laryngitis, I could tell she really can sing. Mm -hmm. So I sent somebody to give her a message. I said, ask her to meet me. It was like we had it in a venue. It was like a theater. Um, I said, tell her to meet me at the top row in mm -hmm. about five minutes. I'm going to talk to her. My conversation was, I said, first of all, if you do this, you're just going to be a novelty from here on, right? I said, you're way too talented for that. If you pull out of this right now, I'm giving you a record deal right now. She said, you know, if you know Tamar, she's like, don't be bullshitting me. I'm like, I'm very serious. Just go home. Congratulations. Go home. I said, the winner of this is going to get a record deal. I'm giving you one now. So go home. You know, she did. She took us on it, up on it, and we, we signed her to uh, Casablanca, Tommy, right? Yeah, Tommy had a label called Casablanca, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, things didn't um, formalize, formalize with that label, you know, to the point where it was through Universal and just fell apart after the first artist. But Tamar was on deck. You know, with a dope album, actually, you know, to come out, you know? I remember. You know, but then um, she had a record with um, um, Ali Vegas. Mm. You know, if you remember Ali Vegas, a rapper out of Queens. Queens. I remember. Yep. So that was dope, too. But, uh, but then... The shop. The, yeah. the shop. That, that had the hood shaking. Yeah. Like. After we... Um, Tommy left Sony first. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to me one night and said, I think we should get into the whole reality show thing, you know, the business. So let me know if you got any ideas. I said, actually, I do. I said, the shop, my shop is like a reality show in itself. So he said, you know, that's dope. He said, maybe we should get the MTV guys to come over there and check it out. And ironically, the night we were talking, I ended up going to dinner somewhere in Manhattan and I ran into Tony DeSanto, who who's the executive producer, that, you know, of of um, MTV. You know, he was he was one of the main producers. You know, one of the main um, you know executives there. Mm -hmm. I told him all about. It. I pitched it at the dinner table. He sat with us at di dinner. I pitched it. He said, "Yo, this is crazy. I'm gonna send a camera crew tomorrow." 
So he showed up with a camera crew, and I promise you, I walked in the middle of the guys, and I said, Ayo, hey, y'all see the fight last night? And the whole shop just went crazy because they was like, yo, Every, all the banter, everyone went mm -hmm. back and forth. And, you know, so you take three white guys that ain't never seen that before. It's like... In the middle of a barbershop in the hood. You are the original barbershop show. Yeah, exactly. And it was called The mm -hmm. Shop. The it shop, was called yeah. The Shop. And, you know, there's a show that LeBron is the executive producer mm -hmm. on right now. Huh? Say it again. He's oh. fucking with you. Oh. Do you get royalty off of that? No, 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 Did you no, call no, Bron no. like, yo, what's up, bro? Nah, you know, I'm going to tell you the craziness about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't say that they stole the show because Viacom, you know, the way we ended it, to be honest with you, we ended it after the first season because there was too much controversy between me, Tommy, and all the people that were involved behind the scenes. So MTV looked at it like, look... <clears throat> Liz Gately and Tony DeSanto, they were in tears the day that we decided not to go forward because they had fallen in love with the crew, everybody. They even had the barbers come to the office, all of them, and they were all in there crying and everything like that. But they gave me the rights. In the agreement, it said, if we renew this for another year, then MTV would actually end up owning the rights. But because it was basically like a pilot series, the first run, if they didn't re-sign it, then I get it back. So it was a gift to me because they said, look, the people up top were afraid to um, be in the middle of a battle and spending all this money and run the risk of you or anybody just telling the guys, don't show up, we don't have a show. You know, because the leverage that I pulled on them was kind of like, look, you guys got to give me what I want because contractually, these guys have to show up to the, you know, on set, but they don't have to be funny. They don't even have to talk to you. They just got to be here. You understand? And I told them, you see all these people out here spectating that's enjoying it, these wholesome people? I said, turn these fucking trailers over, you understand, if we let them know that this shit ain't right. You understand? And that really wasn't a threat to MTV. It was more of a threat to the people that weren't acting right with the, with the agreements, you know? So when we got it right and everybody was good, they just felt like it was too much. But now moving forward, I think that Viacom, because there was a lot of going on with Viacom and they bought BET or whatever. So, you know, I think they felt like they had the rights. Are they involved with LeBron's thing? No, but I think that they had the right. There was one person in particular, I think, that was involved with Viacom. And I think that for some reason, I feel like they have, they feel like they had the right. But here's the way I feel about that, and it's important that I say this. I really don't, I'm not upset, I don't care, I'm not ever gonna go after LeBron or nobody. Like, you know, say, yo, I'ma sue you, why would I do that? Like, I'd rather be in business with them. Yeah. I'd rather just be like, look, I don't think you do have the right, and look, if anything, give me some acknowledgement and just take my calls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got other ideas. You might hate 10 of them and like the last one. Just let's, let's be friends. Because this is not worth blowing up a platform on opportunity, you know? Mm. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with LeBron. I'm not going to do that against Steve Stout, who I don't even know how Steve's involved. I just know that he, I think he, his involvement may be just that he's friends. I don't know. But all of these are the names that have been shot at me. 
And I'm not gonna but fight. But you know a lot of those names, though, so I don't I see, see why. Steve Styles like my brother next time. Yeah, my boy. I know. Like it ain't, you know? it ain't like you don't know Steve. Yeah, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight with them over that. You know what I'm saying? That's not what you fight with people. But you never about wanted to have a conversation with them about it. Not even bring I, it up. I will, but it'd be more of a joke. It'd be like, yo, bro, <laughs> like, what do you? What, what's what's going on? Was you ever gonna pay me? Like, yeah, yeah. Were you gonna give me what, what you buy me some sneakers or something? What you giving? What we doing? But it's not like, like beef. It's not like it's nah. Yellowstone. You know, and they took all my ideas. It's a reality. By the way, I ain't the only shop. You know, I'm, whatever. Yes, the format is the same. The name is the same. Everything is the same, pretty much. It's a newer version, but that's not what I'm going to fight about. I'm not going to fight. There's nothing to win. What am I going to win? What am I going to win? A couple of million dollars? You what know, you not do? even. About a million dollars? I think there's a law that says if you can prove something, you get $2 million. You Minimum? Know? Yeah. Like, there's a number. I don't know exactly the number of it, but it's like a small See, number. See, we would like be that. going for the two million. He's just letting it go. Huh? What you have to prove? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm there's still... other executive producers on the show. If they want to do that, then that's up to them. I don't think that that's the smart move. I think the smarter move is, I don't know LeBron. I do know Steve. I'm a joke with Steve when I see him about it. You know, but, you know, I feel like Steve has heard chatter like that I was upset about it. I'm not really upset about it, to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm, I, I just think it's like, all right, bro, like, what are we doing? You know, it's nothing crazy, though. Mm -hmm. do, do you think in this day and time that it'll even be possible for one producer to get all the records and everything that you've done in this day and age of throwing records up, up, up on the wall? Yeah, because the number is different now. Like, all the, the streams, ver what I have, <clears throat> when you see something that says 8 million records, 32 million records sold here, this, whatever, all these plaques, somebody actually went and bought 8 million records. You know, like, those, that's, they, they actually went out of their way to pay for that. Mm -hmm. A stream is like, if you got Spotify, you know, and everybody in your house got a Spotify account and you whatever. It's just streaming over and over and over again. So if CDs were streams, well, how many times did you play one of my records in your car while you're driving? You know? Yeah, billions of times. Like billions. Like, so I, I don't know, you know, I don't know where they get this number from. Like how they- The formula, yeah. The stream, their formula. It's bizarre to me. But, you know, I, I like the fact that I know that Eight million people, or whatever the number is on one of those plaques, went either to a store or download or whatever they did and bought it. With streaming going on and all these hit records you got, does it keep your legacy going alive differently with a younger audience? The money flow? <laughs> no. Too? You don't <laughs> well, see no difference? Uh, no, no, no. You, uh, as far as royalty streams? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, absolutely. And so you benefited. Has it boosted? No, no, has it boosted or has it gone down? It boosted. The pandemic was crazy. You know, <laughs> the numbers get crazy. Mm -hmm. And then there's licensing. You know, like they used Real Love for a Target commercial. That check was crazy. You know, you know they used the... It's, it's great to have... With that sync fees, got, right? Yeah, sync fees. When you got a bona fide hit, a timeless record... Timeless right. yeah. You know, that's that's a very uh, like a big bonus. You know, to have timeless records, and then you have other records that you can have hit records. Like on Mary's first album, "What's the Four One One," I think we did 
four records or something like that, or five records, you know? But that's half the project. As right. It was we did one half, Eddie F and the Untouchables did the other half. And Puffy was a genius because he would create like a friendly camarade, like a, I mean a friendly rivalry between us. I'll never forget the day he came in the studio and was like, he had the CD in his hand, like, oh boy, they getting you. I don't know, they on you right now. And he put reminisce on. Eddie F and him had did reminisce. I said, me and Mark said, damn. You know, like, damn, they got us right now. And then we did um, changes I've been going through. Can't you see what I've been going through? Because I want to be with you. So we were just firing back and forth. And that's what Puffy wanted. And that's the, the project that he got, you know? Can you tell some of these people on camera all just, you ain't going to get them all. But just run down the list of the people that you worked with. Uh, Period, yo. Yeah. So, so, so it could just go crazy. Just name, just go nuts. Start at Michael Jackson. Mike Jack. And yeah, nah, honestly, I don't. It, that's. I'm telling you something. That's one of the hardest questions someone can ask me because it's all a you know blur what? to me. I, I'm gonna. That's what I've been telling you. It's, yeah. it's a blur, blur now. Well, I can name him. Well, I mean, I mean, you got you got Mariah. Let, let me you got Michael Mark Jackson. Anthony. Hold on, let me Mark see. Anthony, Jessica Simpson. Um, um, Ruffins, um, Marky, when Marky had the Soul Convention album, the one where you was behind the gate, I can't remember the record, Independent Woman for, um, Destiny's Child, uh, Genuine Records. Yeah. Rough, but it's but it's more than, I'm telling you, it's, I it's, keep forgetting. No, no, it, I, I understand because when I first came in the first few years, nah, it's I can remember that. all the it's interviews. Mad, yo, it's, it's, it's so many. But just, did you say Jessica Simpson? I said, I, 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 Jessica. I said Jessica. Yeah. I said, I said Jessica. What's your favorite interviews? Hold on, hold on. You got all these people that you know. Now AI is taking all their voices. How do you feel about the AI? The AI they better stop it now. I'm telling you something. Why, did, why do they need to stop AI now? Why are you saying that? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's a huge chunk of the pie getting ready pulled away because mm -hmm. all people want is the music experience. You want to drive and hear a dope Drake song, and, and whether go. it's him or not. You know, because even if it's not AI, there's going to be some young kid that steals Drake's style yeah. sooner or later. You understand? Like, freaking Jack Harlow... Is not Drake's style, but he's definitely trying to step in Drake's space. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. He, you know, a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, you know? That's and, how I come and, when we and talk. he's in there. When I said Bam ain't gonna care, it's, it's but, never... But he acknowledged that. He's yeah, right. but, but, what, but what, what Corey's saying is gonna spread out as the age demographic gets older and they grow up. It's just gonna fuck the money. Who's gonna get paid is the question. Well, that's what I'm. The, the, the who's gonna get paid? The person the who's question. generating. The person who's there generating those things. You it's know, about the and there won't be an artist to pay. Believe me, if they cannot pay an artist and get that product, they will. Yes, they I said will. that. I you know, know that, but you still got to get the likeness. You still got to. No, they don't. Oh, right now, there's no law. Well, this is what I'm saying. There's no law. Part of the um the strike that's going on, right now, they're they're, they're trying to talk about that as well because it's not just artists. It's if you're the guy who wrote the screenplay for this movie, yes, they can get AI to write another screenplay in in the style that you write. Mm -hmm. Like I said with the Van Gogh painting and, and the Van Gogh style picture of essay. 
Because you know right now I mean? it's not an actual creation of you. This, they remember what I said? That, it's the ones and zeros. They like, got to stop It's not that. a and recreation. Then was, and then the shift is going to be like, so you take Puffy. He's one of the best salesmen in the world, right? Yeah. Or Khaled, I put it. He, yeah, Khaled. Puff is, Khaled's a Khaled, great salesman, too. Khaled's amazing salesman. I want to be his friend. Khaled's my, I want to be Khaled's friend. <laughs> right? Seriously, he's the one guy that I he really know. He can sell anything. I want to be Khaled's friend. Mm. Um, let's go golfing. Like, you know, but... <laughs> but but, but the, here's the thing. Let's just say he creates a whole fire album full of AI. He's going to sell it. Yes. He's the face of it all. And he doesn't have to pay for studio time, royalties, He's the artists. face of it all. What? He can Y'all sell. Stop this let madness. me tell you something. Y'all gonna try to, hey, oh my God, they gonna try to take my voice and be like, let's put a cartoon up. Yes! Oh, bro, he can it's do already all done. of that. He, you know, but I mean, so, so that's where we headed. And if they don't yes. put, so, and when they ask the movie companies about it, from what I'm hearing, basically that's like, it's not even, they, they said it's a, it's not even a discussion. It's not even up for discussion. Don't mm-hmm. talk to me about it. They're willing to risk never solving this issue. Yep. Because they're not ever, they said, because we're never talking about that. Off topic. <laughs> Next time you throw a party up in this motherfucker, I hope I get an invite up in this motherfucker. Because if they could see <laughs> what this crazy. looks like, yeah. I'm just looking at the Yo, motherfucking uh, waterfall. Man. I need to be sliding down that slide drunk than a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? You like, see the ball over the there. That's the wave right there. Step right to the bar, give me something to drink it, do it all over again. You know what I'm saying? You know, I always look at, um, you know, through my kids or whatever, I'm always, we go back and forth with stuff on Instagram. And that's why I said that about Cal. Uh, Khaled has the most fun in his house, mm-hmm. you know, like he, cause Hold I'm, on, he's I, been here a while? No, no, no. In oh, his I'm, house. In, in his oh, house. I'm about to with his this. kids and his family. Yeah. That's what, I, yeah. I like that about him, you know? And, um, you know, going back to 50, my guy, like sometimes 50, like he beats with some of these people. I'm like, ah, like, you know. Why? Cause, you cause, do- no, cause 50 is my, no, my I'm, brother, I'm, brother. Yeah. And I don't like to see him beef with people. Some, you know, because some been, like I was happy he fixed the situation with him and Joe. Cause yeah, Joe you is fuck my with brother too. Joe. Yeah, yeah. I love them. Yeah, I don't want to see them two going at it like, mm-hmm. you know. So I didn't like. I don't. I, you know, I'll I'm out of my business. But I've been around fifty for years. The two, re- it's only two methods. Whenever he does that, a person he genuinely doesn't fuck with them, and that's something behind the scenes that happened. Mm-hmm. Or he's like, if I give him a boost. And they capitalize it. I'm helping them, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you he know? also uses that as if Fifty doesn't have a hit record out, if he doesn't have a hit show out, he can bully somebody tomorrow, and he he'll be viral. And he'll get, yeah. And he'll be viral. It's just news. It just keeps him. Relevant. I will say this though, real shit though. Right? Marketing and promotion. Because because he know he can and do it. Finance. Listen, there's. 50 has 100 videos of him going at dudes that he's forgot to press send on. <laughs> I saw him make a video about somebody, and he was literally, he was about to end their career. And Mano came up, and he just forgot to press send. I can tell you some yo. 50 Cent stories. <laughs> yo, I know. I'm talking about, there's, um, there's this dude. Um, so Mark, you know, Prince Mark Morales, Mark, Mark Morales yeah. you know, had this girlfriend that he was dealing with. And um, he showed up, at, he was at a 50 session. Mm-hmm. Um, and 50 had this guy with him, you know. I ain't gonna blow the guy's name, yeah. blow him up, but he had this dude with him. 
Mark had a girl with him that wasn't his girlfriend, you know, at the time. And he happened to know Mark's girlfriend. Mark's girlfriend. So he calls Mark's girlfriend and says, like, yo, your man is up here. Yo, he got another chick with him. What? So when Mark got home that night, it was crazy. Like, she had threw his shit out. It was crazy. So we called 50, who was, had went to Maryland to do a little work. Yeah. He said, yo, don't do nothing about it, he told me. Let me handle it. Right? Aside, I'm going to leave it on you. He said, give me two days. I'll be back. He said, I'll handle it. So two days later, we had to hit factory. This is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm with Jennifer uh, in the studio. And Jennifer and Puffy, I mean, Jennifer and 50, all of us, we would all be... Yeah, yeah. We'd all be... In the studio together. Jennifer loved 50, 50 loved Jennifer, whatever, you know. I heard that Jennifer is the reason why 50 was writing for Puff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he told me, yeah. So what happens is 50 just shows up that day. He's like, yo, what up, what up? And he got to do with him. So he comes to me, he's like, yo, 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 what up? He's like, yo, where Mark at? I said, I don't know. I said, he said, call him on the phone, call him on the phone. So Mark, hold on, 50, boom, put him on the phone. He's like, hey, yo, listen. I got this nigga here now. So, 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 what's up? Tell me what happened now. What you? What you... <laughs> the dude's face is like this. The dude was like, he's looking around, and put Mark on speaker. Mark said, "Yo, what did this?" Blah blah blah. He's going, "Nah, nah, nah, fifty. That's not. That's not what happened. That's not what happened." <laughs> he said, "Yo, let me, let me hold. Let me talk the phone." So he grabs the phone. Mark, I never said this. I'm no, 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 no. And after a while, 50's looking at him. He said, all right, man, give me the phone. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. Yo, Mark, I'll call you back, right? Who just starts pounding this dude. And Jennifer's face is like, oh, my God. She's going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's screaming. I said, yo. Yo, 50 a real one. Yo, he pounded this dude out. And then, yeah. and, and it's, he, he's sinister because he's laughing while he's doing yeah. it. So I'm like, yo. So I said, hey, yo. I said, take the nigga outside. Don't. And he looks at Jennifer. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jennifer. I'm sorry. I'll be back. He tells, he don't drag the dude. He tells the dude, yo, go outside. And the dude's like, go outside. He takes him outside. So now we looking out the window in the fifth, hit factory. And fifth just bong, bong, bong. Rocking this dude against the car or whatever. And then he comes back up like, yo. Like everything is like, all like good. Like everything is good. And Remember Jennifer's what you said like, earlier in the interview? Yeah. He's the only guy that ever said, when he going to do something, he going to do, do it. He going to do it. He's he about really that shit. Let me tell you, I, I said that. this before on another show. When him and Jimmy Henchman were going at it, mm -hmm. and he was in his suit. And he mm -hmm. had a meeting with these white execs. And then the sentencing came down. I watched him stop the meeting with the white execs, <laughs> pull up his phone, go on live to laugh at Jimmy Henchman. And the white execs are right there. And he's in his suit because I'm just chilling. He's like, watch this, watch this. He does not and, uh, care. Yeah, I mean, Esso told me. Yeah. He does <laughs> yeah, not been, care. He we doesn't all come from any place of fear. He just, he just understands if I say this, it could mean this, 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 and that, yeah. and I'm ready for all that shit. Yeah. That's how you got to be, right? You, keep, you can't say something. That's even about mm. when you talk shit about a person behind their back. 
Yeah. Don't say nothing unless you're willing to say it to and that person. Then you never have to feel crazy about, about what you say. You don't have nothing to worry about. That's a fact. Whatever I say, I'm going to say. I'm going to say it when the person's there or not, you know? And that's just the way it is. And whatever the consequences are, whatever we got to do, all right, I got 10 niggas. Uh, we, we need 20. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? But that's the way it goes, you know? What's the money that's commandment cool. that you live by, Corey? Hey. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, and this is later on in my life. Like I started, I felt like I always made sure everybody ate. Even deals that I've made in the past that would favor some of the artists that I work for, you know, I would do that more in favor of them than myself. But, you know, I just feel like you got to take care of yourself first. Not in a selfish way, but you really got to take care of yourself. <clears throat> and the older I got, I started to realize, like, yo, it's not about being greedy. Just make sure you know that you got to do a deal big enough to be able to take care of these people, but take care of yourself. Yo, you understand? Thank you. I just told my man coming over here. I just told him that Bagfield, we can talk all, all, all day to Corey. It's so much time. He got stuff to work. Bagfield. Los Angeles, thank you. And I, I, I just want to thank you personally because you taught me a lot about the creative side of music and watching you at such a young age, I got to see how to move on the business side of music too. And it wasn't always You know, always he goes from zero to 100 oh, too. Don't, don't let him, don't what? let him fool you. I what? see this nigga gardening. He do all this, hold right? on, I saw all this. <laughs> I said, yo, hold up. And he gardens for real. Yeah, no, for real. I was like, yo, riding bikes, getting healthy on the, that's all this stuff. I said, do the neighbors understand that they do the wrong thing, what they got on their hands to deal with? That was a menace. I'm nah, be chilling, but nah, I just want to tell you real, thank man. you for all that. I gave mm -hmm. my first job in, in, in Miami, put me around the right people, recognized my, my grind, made me, gave me my first a a executive job. And it wasn't easy. He ain't fuck with me when I first met him at all. <laughs> put me out the studio, told <laughs> niggas don't bring him back, all type. Why? It was a rough journey. He was mean. <laughs> These what niggas were you doing? Mean? These niggas is controlling. No, no, no. They, yeah. had, they had the pie. Yo, yo, I, I'm going to tell you a story before we leave. This no, is I'm really serious. It's the only story and we out of here. Mm -hmm. Corey, we all talking this shit, so I'm trying to prove myself to them, right? Real shit. I got Lauren. I go and figured out how to take meetings with niggas. I'm like, yo, my producer... <laughs> It's under Corey Rooney and Tommy Matola. So niggas is like, under Corey Rooney and Tommy Matola. Nah, I said, Lauren Dawson, check it out. They would be like, oh, they check it out? What you trying to do? I got Donna Summer mm. to come from her house to a writer's room. Yep. Right? This is real shit. Donna Summer was in there. She come in there. She's like, Randy, what's going on in here? I'm like, I don't know why it's, why it's so crazy because I didn't know what I had done. She's in there talking about, yo, I got a niece for you. I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to take you to my house. Her Lauren is vibing out. Next thing you know, somebody comes in the studio. Donna, this session is over. Tommy said it's over. Get out of here. And I'm like, and she's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought I was doing good. Like, you know what I'm saying? On some real shit, like, like, like Corey's going to be like, this other nigga from South Jamaica, Queens, I don't know how he pulled this off, but let me bring him in here and give this motherfucker a job. Mm -hmm. Directly the opposite came through. <laughs> okay? This is what happened. 
They came and got Donna Summer out. Donna Summer left. Mm-hmm. Pete Gambog said, Pete Gambog was the, was the dude. Yeah. He called me and said, I don't know who the fuck you are. But Corey and Tommy called the meeting and said, if any one of you motherfuckers meet with Randy Parker ever again, you're fired. <laughs> His that, producer listen, is my fucking producer. Listen, that That's, came more from up top. That really was that came from real story. Up the top. whole bill, I couldn't even walk in the building. <laughs> but they be like, who you coming to see? There's no reason for you to come here. You need to be in the studio with your producer doing what you was doing. And to his credit, on some real shit, I didn't know. They wasn't telling you the position you was in. That I could have just sat right there with Lauren and just made my money and just took time and tried to learn. And just say, yo, I'm I'm just going to play my part and then bring more producers to Corey or bring songwriters. I didn't know. That's my son, Jaden. What's going on? <laughs> What's up, boy? So I'm, I'm trying to make the producer work yeah. so he could be proud and be like, yo, I see his work. After that, I never saw Donna Summer again. <laughs> it so was, it was well, over. let me explain to you how and why situations are like that, right? What happens is this. She's an icon. She's a legend. And Tommy always felt like, look, don't let somebody who really don't have the experience to handle her. Because at any moment or any level, he can, they can make that a bad situation. Mm-hmm. You understand? Something could go wrong. You know, Donnie Einer um, had a situation years ago where he said the wrong thing to George Michael. And it caused a whole lot of drama in Sony. And he was a top executive, you know? So from that experience, Tommy just felt like Somebody at this level should be in the room to monitor that at all times. And don't let everybody fly solo. Keep everybody under control. You bring that to the table, bring it to the table, but bring it right. You know, come through the right way. Because all of a sudden, she'll... And, you know, you had a relationship with her, but he didn't know that. Nobody knows that. You know, it's almost like someone was inappropriate. You walked in a session. Everybody forgot to move this. They move I the walked in a J-Lo whatever. session and then yeah. motherfucker, J-Lo was sitting up like, no lies. She was like just leaning over like this on a joint. I came in there and was like, <laughs> he was like, yo, get him out of here. Get him out. Get him out. Get him, get him out. Get him, get him, get him out. Who? Chris Apostle. Chris Apostle. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Chris. Yo, I can't, I can't walk in there. Motherfucker, I said, J-Lo was leaning. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> get him out. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. Whisk me right out. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, damn, I fucked that up. But that's what it is. Because, and here's another thing. And I wouldn't say this in Donna's case, Donna Summer's case, but a lot of these artists, or Jennifer, but a lot of these artists are high level, and they're, they're programmed to smile and be like, hey, you know, so and so. They don't want the you there. The minute you leave, like, yo, what is... What the fuck is he doing here? What happened? Next person you know? coming here is getting fired. Yo, I'm going to tell you a funny Michael Jackson story. Oh, I want to hear this. Michael Jackson. Well, first of all, you asked me earlier when I first met him, what it was like. When I first, first met him, met him, I reached out and I shook his hand and I'm re- he's Michael Jackson. So, you know, the perception is he's supposed to be timid. Yeah. I reach out to shake his hand. First of all, his hands are like catcher's mitts, like giant hands. Mm. And he grabs my hand. He like manhandles me. And I, I felt like, oh, shit, like, and then, and I swear to God, I was so, like, like, thrown off 
I kept waiting till the meeting to end so I could shake his hand again. Because I'm like, stop, I, I, I got you the mouth. Stop containing the mouth. Because he like wiggled me around like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, damn. But so that was my first meeting. Um, but then, you know, as things went down, like we were in the studio together. And one day, me, Mark Morales, all of us in there, and some of this, the Michael Sessions, we didn't even work. We just was talking. Mm. He just, I guess we were a group that he enjoyed talking to. One day I had an Apple computer and he was like, wow, I got the same computer. And I'm trying to explain to him that we all have the same computer. It's the same. Apple makes this computer. This, this is the laptop. For everybody. This is what it looks like. The next day he brought his in. It was like, you see, look, they're the same. I said, oh, you know, this is crazy. So one day we're sitting in the studio and we're sitting there. Let's say so Mike's got his feet on the couch. He's sitting on the couch with his feet are here on the cushion. He's sitting up top. We all gathered around and we, I don't know what we were talking about, but this dude walks in, you know, regular hood dude. And he's just, while we're talking, he's just standing there. So, we, but we didn't stop because we have all assumed he works here. Maybe he came in to get some cables or maybe he had to ask a question. So after a while, I stopped. I said, what's up? You need something? What's happening? He said, nah, B, I'm down the whole Wu-Tang. I just came to say what's up with Mike. Like, he dapped Mike up. Yo, I just heard Mike was in here. I just wanted to come dap him up real quick. Who was that, though? A Wu-Tang man. He don't know. He said, I was, I'm he here with Wu-Tang. He was here. Where he was like, yo, I'm down the whole Wu-Tang. They told me Mike it was in like here. You, I, you sound like Ghostface. It was, he, no, he, like, he no, no Ghostface. Yo, he just was like, yo. Yeah, that's yeah. gold. That's he just, ghost. Yo, he just was like, yo, I mean, he literally went to Mike. He was like, he looked at me. Nah, I just, I heard Mike was here. I just want to dap him up. What up, man? You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to get my uh, wife. I called her, told her you he was here. She on her way here. We come back, take some pictures and stuff. And Mike's like. Mike's like, how the fuck uh -oh. did he? He's like, okay. And then when the guy walked out the room, we're looking at each other like. What the fuck oh, just happened? Man, that's crazy. And but for the you, children. I'm going to tell you some real shit, though. The security that was out there, he went outside. They were right outside the door. He said, yo, he said, come here for a minute. He said, who let him in? How'd he get in there? Security said, oh, I thought he was with them. Mike said, why? Because he's black? He said, that's why you thought he was with them? He's black? Mike fired him. He fired him right then. He said, what kind of shit is that? You thought he was with them because he was black and dressed on some, you know, some street shit. He fired him. They said Mike is you know? legendary with the girls. Were, were you around to see all? Oh, okay. Mike, yeah. Mike. Like, legend. You like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike's about. Listen, man. That's <laughs> what I said. A lot of people on the camera or whatever. This camera off. This yeah, that's done. Yo, yo, yeah. yo. Like, like, subscribe. Super thanks. I hope. I got a bonus one. What? You know, the fans always like Mary. Mary? Music, Mary J. Blige, yeah. when she's going through some breakup. They always say her yeah. music's bad when she's in a good relationship. But that's what she sings about pain. You know, she'll sing about, like, the pain that she's singing about is the pain that most women People go through. Mm. You know? And that's really a good space for her because. Mary, Mary versus Mariah. Oh, in what? In the verses. Talking about who Mary wins, versus. Who wins? Now you worked with both of them. You broke key records for both I'm gonna of them. I'm going to tell you right now. Look, had this been earlier on in the career, then... Mariah. 
You were you, you well, no, no, no. Here's the imbalance. Earlier on in Mariah's career, she only had big pop records. Pop records. Yeah. And Ma Mary had big. And it's weird that this question is because I was the guy in the middle, like, Making of this. Well, oh, I first walked into Mariah camp. She wanted to be more Mary, you know, mm. like that. I, I introduced Mariah to Mary. It was a Mary J. Blige concert. Mariah had never been to a concert. You know, ever. Like, mm. other than her own show, she had never been to a concert. To see somebody else. So I took her to a Mary J. Blige concert. We were set up to sit on the side of the stage. She said, no, I want to sit there. We sat in the front. <clears throat> we said, look, I don't know how that's gonna, long that's going to last because the minute the audience realized that's you, you're crazy. Pandemon, yeah. It didn't take long. They was, she had glasses, everything. They started going crazy. So, But when I went backstage, it was interesting because... They both had on flight jackets mm. and boots and caps and glasses. Only Mariah had on Chanel shit and Mary just had on the regular like the regular Doc Martin and all of that shit. And Mariah peeped all of that and was like, damn, you know, I, I don't forget the Chanel shit. Amen. I need the, uh, the authentic uh, uh, shit, uh -huh. you know? And um, so if, if, if there was a versus back then, Mar it would have been unbalanced. But right now today... Mariah's had just as many R&B records. He's gonna go with Mariah. He's gonna go. No, 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 no. Let him land the plane. Let him land the plane on this. Just as many R&B records as 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 Mary, but Mary is beloved. Like like they love Mary. They're never gonna give Mariah no win over Mary. I think right now, go in the go in the comments, go in the chat. Mariah Carey versus Mary J. Blige in the verses. Mariah, I love to see that. Listen. Music for music is going to be crazy. Like, you can't we count record sales. Record sales is... They Mariah need to do it in a performance-wide. That's a real... Yeah. Mariah Carey We need to see that. Scale. One song, one song. That would, that would cripple be the nuts. internet. That, that would, be, would cripple TV, that would, everything. That would, that would have to be, be on, like, crazy. ABC or something. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. Mariah Carey's sales are crazy, but, but just love. Like, yeah. from the industry, it's going to be an even fight to me. From the that, man that wrote for both of them, produced for both of them, and many more... Bathy. I hope y'all enjoyed this. This is totally different than anything we ever did. He don't sit down with nobody. That's a fact. And that's what we try to do. We, we try to sit down with, with the people. Easy slide, Joe. Yeah, yeah. We, we try to sit down with people who you never gonna get a chance to talk to. That's what this is all about. Feeling you to get to the bag. Like, subscribe. Ooh. Super thanks. We out of here. <laughs>